Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Rod McDonald. And good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, 17 after 12, and I'm in filling in for Doug Falconer over the next couple of weeks here as Doug takes some uh, vacation time, and then he'll be off to Ag in Motion, so you'll, you'll have to put up with me for the next little while. Try to make it as painless as possible for you. Coming up on GX on Agriculture today, um, Stats Can just recently released the annual seeded acreage report. I spoke about that this morning with agricultural consultant uh, Kevin Hirsch, farms in the Cabri area. Kevin says there were some, well, things a little peculiar, I guess, about um, some aspects of the seeded acreage report, including Saskatchewan farmers kind of going against the grain, if we can put it that way, when it came to uh, planting their canola. We went uh, in a different direction than their colleagues in Manitoba and Alberta. So Kevin Hirsch will explain why that transpired. Also coming up on the program today with the Yorkton Summer Fair, Yorkton Exhibition Association Summer Fair kicking off. Uh, 4-H clubs in the region are going to be actively involved with the summer fair, I spoke with one of the uh, young participants, Colton Lazurko, just uh, moments ago, and he'll tell us about some of the things going on with 4-H during the uh, Yorkton Exhibition Association summer fair. Also, some changes to the Canadian Grain Commission's Grain Grading Guide. Jim Smolik is a Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association representative, and he'll tell us what is changing with the uh, latest report from the Canadian Grain Commission. Those stories and a whole lot more ahead today on GX on Agriculture. We'll kick things off with the Agriculture Weather Outlook. It's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. And Sean Prahika, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Stats Can released uh, the seeded acreage report last week, and it seems that Saskatchewan growers went against the grain somewhat when they planted this year's canola. Agricultural consultant Kevin Hirsch says according to the Stats Can report, canola acreage came in higher than many analysts expected, and Saskatchewan is where the difference lies. What I found really interesting about the canola acreage is that the canola acreage actually dropped in Manitoba and in Alberta, but it was Saskatchewan that it, with a 8.8% increase that, that buoyed the overall acreage. And I guess people will have different interpretations as to why Saskatchewan would be different than the other provinces, but I think a lot of it is that uh, producers here watch the crop insurance coverage quite closely after some dry years, and I think there's a, a, a was quite a bit of uh, canola acreage in the southern and central part of Saskatchewan that was put in 
because the crop insurance coverage uh, looks so favorable. So that's one of the interesting things I, I saw from uh, from uh, based on on canola. StatsCan says farmers reported total canola acreage at just over 22 million acres, an increase of 3.2 percent over last year. Hirsch says soybean acreage has been interesting to watch recently with dramatic swings from one year to the next in Manitoba. This year, Manitoba soybeans have increased to 1.6 million acres, up over 40 percent from last year. Uh, that translates a little bit into Saskatchewan. Acreage was up dramatically in Saskatchewan too, but our acreage base for soybeans here pretty small. So, you know, it's, a, it's only up to 68,000 acres according to the StatsCan report. And soybeans, which were registering some acreage in Alberta a few years ago, have, have all but disappeared. So some of these predictions from oh, five or ten years ago that soybeans were going to be a major crop across western Canada, I think have, have fallen well short, but soybeans certainly is a, an important crop in, in, in Manitoba. Meantime, Hirsch says the big Roquette pea fractionation facility at Portage La Prairie has failed to convince Manitoba farmers that they should be growing more peas Manitoba pea acreage is down 18% from last year. Hirsch notes lentil acres are also down this year from last. They were, were down in, in Saskatchewan and uh, Alberta, but uh, the acreage drop, uh, when, uh, when you dig into the numbers, seems to have occurred in the large green lentils and not the red lentils. And it's the large greens that are really doing well price-wise. So kind of surprising to see that acreage down and and reds uh, basically basically stable red lentil acreage was reported at 3.1 million acres similar to last year and above the five-year average large green lentils are down from last year and are also well below their five-year average StatsCan reported mustard acreage this year is up almost 15 percent Hirsch says it's not surprising considering the high prices that crop has enjoyed the last couple of years. Oat acreage took a tumble. Hirsch says farmers reported seeding 2.5 million acres of oats, down 35% from 3.9 million last year. The big drop in oat acreage was pretty much expected and, and was across the board uh, and certainly a, a reduction in production is, is needed with the big oat surplus that was, was held. It'll be also interesting to see how many oats may end up as green feed given the, the uh, feed shortage that may be in certain dry parts of, of Saskatchewan and Alberta. Flax acres also saw a major decline in 2021. A million acres of flax was seeded. That dropped by 22% last year and nearly the same amount again this year. Hirsch says overall the crop mix this year is less diverse. It, it was the big, big acreage crops, uh, canola, spring wheat, barley and durum, they all grains gained some ground and that was at the expense of all of the other cropping options. So whether this is a, a longer-term trend or not is, is hard to determine, but certainly for, for this year, our crop mix is actually less diverse than it was last year. And finally, Hirsch says most areas need rain or those crops will not amount to much.
it's in many areas in southwestern Saskatchewan where I farm there's uh, cereal crops that are already being written off I hear stories about central and southern Alberta in dire straits hear stories of certain parts of Manitoba that are uh, difficult uh, now there has been some rain over the the July long weekend in, in some areas and in some areas it comes with too much or or comes as in the form of hail which is never good but overall I think that uh, the prairies are drying out and that's going to affect uh, yield prospects I don't think there's any way that we're going to have uh, an above average crop across the prairie region you know, we'll be lucky to only have uh, an average crop and and without some better moisture conditions going forward we, we may drop below average would be my guess at this juncture Kevin Hirsch is an agricultural consultant. He farms near Cabri in southwestern Saskatchewan. Well, it's 12.30 now. We have the Beef and Forage Report coming up next. Beef and Forage Report. With the Yorkton Exhibition Association Summer Fair underway this week, 4-H clubs in the region are showcasing their animals today and tomorrow. On tap today, judging gets underway this afternoon at 1, followed by team grooming and the female show, and then the heifer show getting underway around 3 this afternoon. Tomorrow gets going with the Clover Buds showmanship at 9, followed by the steer shows for junior, intermediate, and senior showmanship. The grand finale is the steer sale. It gets going at 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. I spoke this morning with one of the young participants, Colin Lazurko. I have a steer and a heifer. I'm a senior member of the Neuter for H Beef Club, and I'm going to be showing my steer and my heifer. And I'm participating in the team grooming um, judging and showmanship classes as well. This is Colton's third year in 4-H. I asked him what he enjoys about it. I just have a passion for showing cattle and also you meet uh, lots of great friends. Uh, you get to learn skills like responsibility, uh, teamwork, and uh, just helping out others. And it just builds great life skills. Lazurko encourages everyone to come out and watch and cheer on the young 4-H participants. Again, the show runs today and tomorrow in conjunction with the Yorkton Exhibition Association Summer Fair. And it is time now for AgReview. AgReview is a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock. Or, excuse me, that was for uh, our weather. Get back on on the right page here, Rod. AgReview is a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 AgReview. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 90% of hopper cars ordered in Green Week 47, a decline from the previous week's 94% order fulfillment performance. On a combined basis, CN and CPKC have now supplied 90% or more of cars ordered in each of the last 11 weeks. The decline in performance reflects a deterioration in performance for CN and improved performance for CPKC. In supplying 81% of hopper cars ordered on time in week 47, CN's performance declined notably from the 94% posted in week 46, falling below the 90% performance threshold for the second time in the last three weeks. 
CPKC order fulfillment performance improved, with the railway supplying 99% of cars ordered, up from the 94% order fulfillment performance seen the previous week. CPKC remains above the 90% threshold for the 11th straight week and the 14th time in the last 15 weeks. Canada's all-wheat exports for Green Week 47, the week ending June 25th, were 424,400 metric tons, down from the previous week, well, uh, still above the four-week average of over 388,000 metric tons. Canada's cumulative licensed all-wheat exports at over 22.58 million metric tons, are up 82% from a year ago and 19.8% higher than the three-year average. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada estimated annual wheat exports would hit 24.45 million metric tons, a volume that's up 62% from 2021-22. USDA's June WASDI includes a forecast of Canadian wheat at 26 million metric tons. After falling for three weeks in a row, corn conditions in the U.S. improved slightly last week. That's according to the USDA Weekly Crop Progress Report released yesterday. Soybean condition, on the other hand, logged its fourth weekly decline. Nationally, corn was rated 51% good to excellent, up one percentage point from the previous week, and down from 64% a year ago at this time. This year's current rating is now the lowest for the crop for this time of year since 2012. Soybeans were rated 50% good to excellent as of Sunday, down one percentage point from 51% last week, and down from 63% a year ago at this time. Like corn, soybeans' current rating is at its lowest level since 2012. USDA said 48% of the spring wheat crop was rated good to excellent as of July 2nd, down two percentage points from last week's 50%, and down from 66% a year ago. 40% of the spring wheat crop in North Dakota was rated good to excellent, down from 49% a week ago. More widespread rain and cooler weather is in the forecast for this coming week, which should be beneficial for crops in many areas of the country. Chicago soybean futures rallied for a second consecutive session yesterday, following a lower-than-expected planting estimate from the USDA last week. The department cut its estimate of U.S. 2023 soybean plantings to 83.5 million acres, down 4 million from its March 31st forecast, and below a range of trade estimates. Soybeans settled up 10.5 cents yesterday at 13.53 and 3 quarters a bushel, Corn futures eased, remaining at a two-and-a-half-year low on choppy technical trading. Traders said corn futures could not shake off pressure from larger-than-expected U.S. corn plantings and smaller-than-expected June 1st corn stocks. U.S. markets are closed today for the Independence Day holiday. 
Tyson Foods is reintroducing certain antibiotics to its chicken supply chain and will drop its no antibiotics ever tagline from Tyson branded chicken products. Company officials say this will involve drugs that are not important to human health. The U.S. meatpacker says the antibiotics are mainly used to help deliver good bird health. Tyson officials say the World Health Organization does not consider them to be medically important for treating human illnesses. And one more thing, there are calls for Canada to look into best before dates and whether they worsen food waste and food insecurity. A report on grocery affordability from a House of Commons Committee on Agriculture and Agri-Food includes the CEO of Second Harvest Canada pointing to misconceptions about the dates. Laurie Nickel is quoted as saying that people treat them like expiry dates when in fact they're just as they state the date before which food is at its freshest. The committee suggests the federal government investigate, quote, how the elimination of best before dates on foods would impact Canadians. Kate Perizzo, a professor at the University of Guelph who studies food waste, says she supports the call, especially when it comes to foods that don't go bad quickly. Best before dates are required for foods that are expected to go bad within 90 days, such as eggs and milk. But Perizzo says other foods often include best before dates on their packaging, which can lead people to believe prematurely that they're not safe. And that is today's Ag Review. It's 1240 now, 140 in Manitoba. Quick break, and then we have the Livestock Market Report next. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Livestock market conditions. Well, this will certainly be short and sweet today. Of course, uh, U.S. markets are closed for the uh, national holiday today, so markets will reopen tomorrow. Once again, no livestock uh, closing quotes today as livestock markets in the U.S. are closed today for the holiday weekend. Uh, Weyburn Area Farm Family is the winner of the 2023 Outstanding Young Farmer Award in Saskatchewan. Jake and Sarah Legui, along with Eric Nicolation, farm near Weyburn and Fillmore. Jake Legui says it was kind of a surprise because he was nominated months ago but wasn't sure of the outcome. They were presented the award at Canada's farm show recently in Regina, and Legui was humble about the win. It was an exciting moment. It was, it was a proud moment because of the awesome people that we have on this farm that enabled us to get where we are and the advisors that we have and everything else that goes into a successful farm these days. So yeah, excitement, uh, some pride, some, I guess, a little bit of humility and knowing that it's a really cool award and, and you know, there's there's a lot of great farms in Saskatchewan and I uh, I think there's, there's lots of things we do really well. There's some things we could do a little bit better, I'm sure, but it, it feels pretty amazing, I guess, to be uh, compared with with some really successful operations in this province. Like we talked about having to do a speech before a live audience. 
Yes, we did. Yep, that's always intimidating to uh, have to stand up in front of everybody. And, and also, you know, as farmers, we, we generally don't like to talk about ourselves that much. I know I'm generalizing a bit here, but I think that's a, a fair uh, generalization to make. We like to put our heads down and do the work, and, and sometimes it can be hard to kind of share things that we think we've done well or, or that sort of thing. So it was uh, a little bit nerve-wracking to get up on stage and try and do that in front of uh, some really uh, influential people and people who have done really well in the industry, but it was pretty fun too. The Leguiz are third-generation producers that farm about 15,000 acres, growing canola, durum, wheat, lentils, and peas. It's Jake alongside his sister Sarah and his brother-in-law Eric. Jake Legui says their vision for the farm is setting it up for the next generation. You know, we've done a lot of strategic planning on this farm as we've tried to think about where we wanted to go in the future. We thought it was important to spend a little bit of time finding out, okay, what are our goals? What are our personal goals? What are the goals for the farm? And what we came down to is it's really fairly simple, and I, I think a lot of farms would feel the same way. It's it's to try and build an enduring business for the fourth generation. So once you lay that out as your overall goal and you start thinking about what that actually means, I mean, it's hard to get to the fourth generation. It's hard to get to the third. So we have an opportunity to try and carry this farm forward, which means everything that we do needs to be built around that overarching goal in terms of agronomy and production, in terms of business management, in terms of our governance, about how we you know, look after each other, about how we deal with each other as, as family and as business partners and our employees. Everything that we do is built around a lot, that long-term vision. So I guess that's sort of what I wouldn't say separates us, but that certainly is, is one of the things that we put a lot of attention to and a lot of focus on. Ligui says there are two aspects of farming that he loves the most. The first part is the building of a legacy. The, the growth in the business, the planning and the strategizing that goes into building what you hope will be a, a long-term successful operation. It's really cool to be able to build a strategy around that and live your life basically according to that. But you know, one of the other things that's really, that's really fun about being a farmer is uh, every day is different. Every day is something new. You know, today I'm wanting a sprayer. Tomorrow I might be uh, doing some bookkeeping. The next day I might be trucking the next day I might be an agronomist. I, I get to do so many different things on both a day-to-day -day uh, -day basis and a seasonal basis as we roll through the different parts of the crop year. It makes it a really uh, engaging uh, occupation to be involved in, and I get to do it all with family and, and uh, some great employees as well. So it's a great industry to be a part of. Jake Legui, along with his sister Sarah and Eric, uh, Nicolation will compete in Montreal next November for the National Young Farmer Award. It's 1246 now, 146 in Manitoba, mainly cloudy, 12 degrees. We'll have the complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. A partnership to provide agricultural education to Saskatchewan students will continue for another five years. The Saskatchewan Distance Learning Centre and the North American Equipment Dealers Association agreed to a new deal recently. Chief Executive Officer of Saskatchewan Distance Learning Centre, Darren Gasper, says the agreement will continue to provide work placements for high school students. 
We've had an excellent partnership with the group for the last five years, and so we're excited to see another five years of, of some great opportunities for students across Saskatchewan, uh, whether they're interested in becoming an ag equipment technician or a parts technician, or a new program we're going to be launching called Precision Ag Technician. Gasper says they're all high school classes. They are, yet each one is a high school class that gives students an opportunity to learn about uh, the content within the course and within the trade itself, but more importantly, gives the student a chance to uh, spend 50 hours in one of our ag dealerships around the province and really get a hands-on experience with what a career in that particular uh, trade would look like. We asked Gasper how long the courses run for. Yeah, typically they run a semester. The uh, ag equipment technician one's a little bit more unique uh, because of the timing of the work placement. Uh, so you can imagine for dealerships, it's pretty busy time at harvest and seeding. So we ideally like to have the kids in uh, during the winter season from November to March. Uh, so the kids really get a full overview of all of the equipment and maintenance that's going on uh, during that time period within the shop. Gasper outlines how the previous five-year agreement operated. Yeah. So in our first five-year agreement that was originally done with uh, with the SunWest DLC, we had an opportunity to run, on average, about 100 to 120 students through the program each year um, through the Ag Equipment Tech or the Parts Tech program. Uh, and then, as well, we've got a great partner in SAS Poly, where the kids spend uh, two days uh, in a boot camp there, again, getting to experience what their program is like, uh, where our students will end up there either as an apprentice down the road or as a certificate student uh, prior to gaining employment in the trade. Gasper says the new agreement allows for the program to be available province-wide. Yeah, you bet. That's one of the beauties of the new organization is that we are able to provide that programming to students uh, anywhere across Saskatchewan, including being able to provide the worksite supervision for it on that site. So uh, for us, it'll be just really nice to have the full aspect of the program now that we can support. Um, so not only the delivering of the course content, um, but the boot camp with SAS Poly and the supervision of that really critical work placement within the dealership itself. And Gasper says um, feedback to the program has been very positive. Well, probably the best stories to hear back is when we have our students come back to us after the work placement and let us know that they've been offered a full-time job once they graduate from high school. So that's easily the most rewarding part of this program is the excitement that that student comes back with, you know, when they found that passion area that uh, they're able to pursue. And so for us, it's really rewarding to hear that, you know, this high school program led to a, a career opportunity for that student, typically in their local community. And finally, Gasper says the program is being credited for addressing a labor shortage in the ag industry. Absolutely. Yeah, we've heard that consistently across all of the trades that, uh, you know, there's a growing labor shortage. And again, that opportunity to keep kids in their local communities and and really keep those rural communities strong is is a critical piece. So not only the labor market need and, and what the ag industry itself needs, but just keeping kids home and in those local communities is really rewarding to see. The North American Equipment Dealers Association will provide $40,000 annually to support students enrolled in ag-focused programs offered online through Saskatchewan Distance Learning Center. It's 9 before 1 before 2 in Manitoba, and we'll check the closing grain prices coming up next. Commodities Update. Again with the uh, U.S. holiday today, we're 
sparse on the uh, closing green markets today with the canola being the only game in town. And November canola closed today at 739.40 a metric ton. That was up $3 from this past Friday's close. Uh, January canola closed at 744.50 up a buck 60. Again, November canola 739.40 up $3 today. January canola closed at 744.50 up a buck 60. All other markets closed, of course, for the uh, national holiday in the U.S. today. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Rod McDonald filling in over the next couple of weeks for Doug Falconer. As Doug takes a much-needed vacation. Some updates have been made to the Canadian Grain Commission's Grain Grading Guide. The updated standards pertain to sprouting, test weight, and foreign material tolerances. The federal government says in a news release these changes, which are science-based, will better meet the needs of the ag sector in Canada and for grain buyers around the world. Jim Smolik is with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. He says they're in favor of most of the changes. We're definitely in favor of moving to the science-based uh, approach. And, uh, you know, and anytime you can do, uh, you know, moving away from visual testing and, and, and that sort of subjectivity to doing objective testing, uh, we're, we're definitely in favor of that. And we want to see, we think that's the right direction and we want to see that continue. The second sort of issue we see it, it was the sprout damage. Uh, and again, that's something that we're very supportive of. Uh, sprout damage is something that, uh, you know, uh, is going to impact the end use functionality. Uh, when you have sprout damage, you, uh, in wheat especially, you'll have uh, acti- uh, sorry, alpha amylase activity, uh, which really impacts sort of the, the gluten strength. And, and you'll notice that in, in loaves of bread that you'll have uh, kind of big holes. Uh, that, that enzyme actually uh, takes that strength away. And, and so... That's not something millers and bakers want to see in, in, in their products, so we're, we're supportive of that. Uh, the third one that we're supportive of is uh, kind of the clarifying the, the screen sizes for canola. You know, obviously this, there's a variety of um, uh, uses for the screens, but, but, but better clarifications, we're, we're hoping will sort of eliminate any inconsistencies in doctors that farmers have seen in the past. However, the wheat growers have one concern regarding test weight and total foreign material alignment for some wheat classes. And the reason we're a little bit concerned about that uh, is that uh, the export tolerances for test weight are tighter than the, the, the delivery or the elevator delivery tolerances. Um, and I think when you, you know, when you kind of consider how that, how that works is that the uh, farmer delivers, uh, he's delivering and they'll, they'll weigh it into a half liter uh, little container. Uh, you know, it'll be delivered, generally speaking, not commercially clean. Uh, so it would not be an export tolerance standard for, for uh, delivery to a customer of, of Canadian grain. So what happens is they, they get weighed. That test weight is done on that uh, as, a, as a raw sample comes in. Uh, and uh, what the, the change is, as we understand, will be to move that test weight taller so that the, weight, the grain will have to weigh more in that half-liter uh, container uh, because it'll have, to, it'll have to weigh to an export tolerance. Now, this has been something that has been ongoing for years and years, the way it had, you know, previous to this change. So to give you, the, you know, kind of the example, a farmer delivers that, that grain that's got some dockage or some, you know, foreign material in it, like could be some pieces of, you know, wheat heads or whatever, you know, a bit of straw, whatever it is. That is always cleaned at port position to an export tolerance. So if it didn't meet it at the, at the elevator, when you, when you clean it to export tolerance, 
uh, it, gen- it would generally always meet it at the uh, at the terminal position. So having that move backwards to the to the the country elevator, we we are concerned that this is going to uh, have an impact on producers, and and they were going to be, I guess, in essence, uh, uh, have higher dockage, uh, you know, at, at the country elevator. So that's one of the reasons that you know we're going to watch this and see how this how it plays out. But uh, that's probably the area, the biggest area of concern. The new standards come into effect August first. Farm Bulletin Board. And quickly, just one item to make you aware of on the Farm Bulletin Board today. The Saskatchewan Institute of Agrologists holding their uh, Adopt Forage Variety Demo Crop Walk. And it's coming up this Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. It occurs, it takes place at the Yorkton Chamber of Commerce Crops of the Parkland site, which of course is located on the corner of the intersection of Highway 16 and Highway 9 as you come in to Yorkton. Absolutely free, no cost to attend that. Again, that's happening Wednesday morning at 7. It's the Yorkton branch of the Saskatchewan Institute of Agrologists Forage Variety Demo Crop Walk taking place at the Yorkton Chamber of Commerce Crops of the Parkland site on the northeast corner of of the intersection of Highway 16 and 9. Again, that's happening Wednesday morning at 7. And that is today's Farm Bulletin Board. We'll close out GX on Agriculture now with our precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, and Russell regions. Mainly cloudy this afternoon, 40% chance of spotty showers, and then becoming partly sunny. Windy, west-northwest 25, gust of 45 before diminishing later this afternoon, high 15. Clearing tonight, wind west-southwest 10 to 20, overnight low 7. Mainly to, well, partly to mainly sunny, we'll say for tomorrow, wind northwest 15 to 25, high near 21. Mainly sunny Thursday and warming up to 27 degrees. It's rather short-lived, though, because Friday, partly sunny. There's a slight chance of spotty showers, and it will be a little cooler again. High 22 on Friday, mainly sunny on Saturday, high near 23 degrees. This hour's temperature roundup, 12 degrees in the Paw, along with Roblin, Hudson Bay, and Indian Head, 13 in Swan River and Regina, 14 degrees in Dauphin and Saskatoon. Uh, Shoal Lake, Russell, Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Calvington, all reporting 11. In the Yorkton-Melville region, it's cloudy. The wind is northwest 30, up to about 40 clicks. Relative humidity is 67%. And our current temperature is 12 degrees. That's our time for GX on Agriculture today. Join me again tomorrow afternoon at 12.15, 1.15 in Manitoba. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Time now for GX94's news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.